to start, John, if you don't mind, with what happened last week when the Troy Deeney derby. So what did you learn about Birmingham City last Tuesday night? Um, that Birmingham City can rise to the occasion if absolutely need be. But um, as far as Troy Deeney is concerned, I think that it was the wrong move for the wrong man at the wrong time, although sentiment drove the whole thing. But it's as clear as day that his legs have gone for playing up front. Uh, I, I have a theory that I came theory, I have an idea, having watched him playing, I think he'd be a decent central midfielder. Mm. I really do. Like, because, like Wayne Rooney? Like what happened uh, you know what? Uh, it, it's not the, the best analogy in the world. But hey-ho, look, I think that we are pretty well doomed. I'd be amazed if we didn't go down. I was a little bit disappointed in your boys. I thought that they would be springier and quicker and, and know what to do when a kick bottle and bite side got underneath them. But I suspect you'll be there and thereabouts at the end. I do. I like the signing of Courtney Hawes. Sorry, I know we're not supposed to talk about them. But no, Hawes, no, and, no, no. <laughs> Hawes and Davis, uh, I think that they were signed with... Um, the proviso that Watford sold Villa some players. But um, we'll, we'll wait to see what happens. This show will go out as, John Berry, the 250th Football Library visit. Oh, Doesn't wow, that's marvellous. It's just an, great. It's, As you know, it's just a number. But I've been doing this for two years. We had you in before to talk about Project Restart and Hugging Strangers, two remarkable books uh, about okay. blues and uh, your love of them. Blues do inveigle their way into an armchair fan's guide to the Qatar World Cup, which you say gives context to what is going on in November and December. Can we just get it out of the way first? Qatar seems to be a FIFA colony at this point. It's absolutely awful, and I think the real issue, it it has become normalised that this competition has gone there and that somehow there is a broad acceptance that it's going to happen. I'm delighted to see various people, perhaps not waking up, but realising that now is the time to speak about it. But we should never lose sight of the fact that this has been sport-washed and blindfolded its way through. And it's it's a stain on the game. And you've read it, Johnny, so I think you know that I do make the point very clearly in the book that it's right and proper that that football should go around the world, that it is not the preserve of Europeans or South Americans or whoever, that it's absolutely right and proper that other parts of the world should try and host major events. But this really is a step too far, and it is mired in filth and corruption. You make the point that other books have told the story. I remember reading, I'm going to try and get their names right, it was Leif Arbuthnot, uh, John Calvert, and there was one more who was head of the investigation. But this massive, I think it was probably 9,000 words, why Qatar, and it was in the Sunday Times about four or five years ago, they turned it into a book, The Ugly Game. Uh, And it was just shocking. We, We knew the human rights abuses were there. We knew that it was almost a lie that they were saying, oh, yeah, we, we can have it in summer. The, the stadiums will be air-conditioned. It will all be fine. 
Uh, but even Franz Beckenbauer, the man who won the World Cup as both a player and a manager, said, we're not having this. Uh, and yeah. Germany, to their credit, have been very outspoken. Uh, Norway so outspoken they didn't even qualify. They didn't want to be there, perhaps on purpose. But Germany are the ones that we're looking at as kind of the moral arbiters of European football because England has no say anymore. It's a real shame. I think that Southgate wants to do something. As I point out in the book, I've put aside my parochial, small-minded hatred of anyone who is associated with Birmingham City's neighbours. I do get a strong feeling that he wants to do something. I get the feeling that people like Henderson, of course, who was wonderfully outspoken during the pandemic, wants to do something. But you then have to say to yourself, you know what, guys, I don't think you're in charge of this particular this particular episode and the interventions that you can make. And you know as well as I do that those running the game will try and silence you or dilute what you want to say. But no, there's, there's absolutely no getting away from it. Uh, yeah, I used the word stain before. That's the only thing I can think about on those who run the game and who have taken money from the game and enhanced their own fortunes and position through the game. And you'll know that one of the things I do right at the end of the book is I talk about what football is, guys playing for their local team, guys playing on Sunday, sorry, and women too, and I make that point, I hope, very forcefully as well. And this is a million miles away from it. This is football as business, this is football as show, this is football as sports washing. We know it. Well, here's where I bring in Birmingham again, because this tournament might well put Jude Bellingham on the same pedestal as, I don't know, Kante, or actually he's more of an eight, uh, Messi, perhaps. Let's compare it. Um, I know that Job Bellingham, who is 16 years old, is part of the Birmingham City squad, but Jude is now at Dortmund, uh, doing very well. It looks like Bellingham, if he doesn't start, he will be an impact sub. Could he, if asked by a journalist in one of these round tables that we're going to get in November... What do you think of the Kafala system? Really, what can Jude Bellingham say, knowing that he will probably bring himself into disrepute, even though it's the truth that, that what I he know. says... You know, you know, I mean, you'd have to ask Jude Bellingham, you'd have to ask his dad, who's clearly an influential, and a very strong and positive influence on Jude. You'd have to ask him about that. But the point that you're making is absolutely right. He's clearly a very intelligent, you know, and I know I'm biased, obviously, one of our own, and et cetera, et cetera. He's clearly a really intelligent, level-headed young man, um, although not, as people can see on the field of play, without uh, you know, the requisite spikiness. Uh, and that spikiness, which he showed in outspoken comments, possibly intemperately so, about um, a couple of refereeing incidents in the Bundesliga. But if what you're saying, Johnny, and I think you are, is what's even a bright, level-headed young man going to do when asked about this wretched, terrible system that basically imprisons and restricts the way in which workers conduct themselves in their lives, I think the answer is still, if he's going to say, that's above my pay grade. Mm. And, you know, a, a player, it would be an extraordinary player. 
I think. And I hope there are. I, goodness knows, you know, Philip Lyons done so much now. I mean, I know he's yeah. not, you know, in the, in the, but it will take, it will take some bravery. I think that bravery will be applauded though. I genuinely do. And I hope so. And look, if you're asking me, would I love Jude Bellingham to be that spokesperson? You bet your life I would. <laughs> well, there are some people we know cannot be spokesmen because their lives are paid for by Qatar. Mbappe, Messi, um, there's the other the Italians aren't in there, but Donna Rummer would usually be. I think those rumours linking Marcus Rashford to PS Qatar are nonsense. There's no way he's leaving United and he scored last night. Um, it's just that there are all these teams. There is a chapter dedicated really cleverly to the African Cup of Nations and what happened when that happened yeah. during the middle of the season. Was it last year? Um, yes. And there was a big fuss about certain players not being able to play in their domestic tournaments. Because an African nation, on the balance of probability, are not going to reach the final, would it be very difficult, therefore for an African player such as Sadio Mane to come out against FIFA when FIFA are the ones who have helped to fund pitches in, let's say, Senegal, if we're talking about Mane, because FIFA is so entrenched, much like China's Belt and Road system in Africa. No one can say anything. They just have to get on with entertaining the world. And and I think that that's the issue. I mean, it's interesting that you, you picked up Mane and, again, he's been extraordinary in what he has done for his home nation and his home region. You're asking me what these guys will do, and I, I get the sort of um, the thrust of your questioning. I kind of make the point, I think I've made it in, in other things that I've written about football. You know, I am not the guy to ask what a professional footballer thinks about life. I, You know, I've worked with a couple of guys who played at, at level five. You know, I was captain of my local Sunday, well, Saturday afternoon team. You know, that is the extent of what I know about footballers. Uh, how they see the life, life through the prism of their occupation, their obligations to other people, their own intellect, their own interests, I really don't know. But you do look at Mane, you do look at Zaha, and I'll cite him again, you do look at Jordan Henderson, you look at some of these players and you say, mate, it'd be great if if you, you know, are at or near the top of your game said, this isn't for me, you know. And the sad thing is that this tournament, which Pelé has won, Bobby Moore has won, Beckenbauer has won in Germany, Ronaldo, uh, the Brazilian won, this is a tournament with Great repute. It is, as John Berry, you write in an armchair fan's guide to the Qatar World Cup, an SME. What is an SME and is it your term? No, it's not my term. And it's a term that I came across. It's it's a sports sports mega event. And I came across it, you know, while I was doing the research and the reading about it. So there really are only two sports mega events. There's the World Cup and there's the Olympics. And one of the things that the book does, and I really enjoy doing this, and I hope that readers will enjoy reading about it as well, is I trace the origins of the SMEs, the small sports mega events. And I, I start by looking at the two of them before the war. That's the Munich Olympics and the Paris uh, Football World Cup. And then might make direct comparisons between what happened after the war, which was the Brazil World Cup, and God bless them, 
the Wembley Olympics, the London uh, the austerity Olympics, Olympics, yes, the, the austerity Olympics that made a profit that made an overall <laughs> profit of £30,000. But maybe they did so on the back of telling athletes to bring their own towels um, and, where possible, to bring as much food as possible because rationing was still in mm, place. Yeah. Um, and the reason I looked at the growth of those events was, A, just out of interest because they're good tales and they're you know, an, an insight into a different time, but to look at how they have now become these overblown, over-important events. I mean, they're games, they're sports, they're people trying to do their best. They're meant to be an inspiration. But of course, uh, you know, as the book points out, they are the showpieces for the mega corporations, for the huge uh, retail, uh, electronic, confectionery, uh, alcohol uh, conglomerations, capturing markets all around the world. And it's not nostalgic. It's not saying, oh, the world shouldn't be like that. It's just a reminder that the bottom line is that these are people undertaking sporting endeavour and trying to do their best. In some ways it is about TV, not just because of the pretty women and blokes in kafirs who are captured on TV, but it was fascinating to note, and I will remember this in four years' time, or three and a half years' time as it will be, but Fox was so perturbed by what was going on by moving the, the World Cup to the winter that they've been given without tender all the rights for the 2026 World Cup in North America and Mexico. So much as what happened with, I don't know so much about the ISL, but there was something to do with the Brazilian TV rights that were sold, and it was, Andrew Jennings wrote a book about it. It is a TV event, and I'm protesting. I think I'm going to read about it, obviously, because it's going to hit me. And all the journalists are there. Do you personally know people going out to work in Qatar? On strictest confidence, I did speak to someone who works for, uh, and I'll be really careful because he would murder me. A company. A man working for a company. And and he will be out there, and his view is is so that people going out there will pick up. Of course, I don't know whether or not that will happen for a whole range of reasons, whether anybody will have a bob in their pocket to go out there, I don't know. The point that I make about, you know, people going out to watch, though, is this. You know, at one level, and I expect that both you and me have done this, Johnny. I mean, I certainly have, when the World Cup and the Euros have been in in spitting distance, is that you'll say, come on, lads, let's hire a man from around the corner. Let's go down to Morrison's and other supermarkets are available and buy a few beers and let's go and drive over to Germany or drive over to France or or, or whatever. Let's go and see if we can get into a game somewhere and let's have some fun along the way. Uh, I don't think that's an option that's going to be available to people Mm. this time. I mean, again, you'll have picked up in the book, there's some wonderful stories about what people did to get to Russia particularly in the later stages, you know, going to airports from everywhere from, uh, you know, Slovenia to Italy and driving across and hiring cars and doing whatever. I just don't think it's going to be that kind of jolly event. It's going to be corporatized and sanitized. Yeah, and, and I think that that might be slightly dull. 
the birth, the man who I know who works for a company thinks it may be better than that. We'll see. We will see. Well, we've had experience of having to watch on telly because, as you wrote in Project Restart, it was all about just the morale boosting for a country that was in trouble. And God knows we'll need some morale boosted this winter for obvious reasons. Yeah. There might even be a general election this summer, uh, this winter. Yeah. Um, there might be a general election. There might be a general strike. They're both a possibility. Yes, quite right. Um, and we, we will thus... Put our attention to a nation the size and population of a small hotel, the majority, the vast majority of which aren't actually Qatari. One thing that I've been following for the last 10 years is what Qatar are doing themselves to get the footballers ready because they qualify for this World Cup automatically. And it seems that they have naturalised lots of foreign players and made them Qatari and they've made them change their names. So that's going to be one of the stories of the World Cup, just the home nation. Uh, You go through and spin back and tell the story of North Korea in the 66 World Cup. Uh, So there are, and indeed, uh, from my benefit, Denmark in 1986. What do you think on the pitch? Uh, Remember, this is predominantly a World Cup on the pitch. What do you think the big stories are going to be? It's going to be Lionel Messi's last chance to win a World Cup. It'll be England with a good squad. You know, well, whether you've led me by the nose to this or not, again, scouting around and just doing the work for the book, and I didn't really pick up on this. I think the story could be Canada. I don't mm. I, I genuinely don't know. Canada's rise and, and, and Canada's qualification sweeping all before them and managed by a lad from Sunderland who from concert at the, in, in the northeast? Who started with women's teams and kind of worked his way through a system and finished up managing this Canada side that, as I say, has brushed all before them in a, in a, in a, in a proper footballing group, you know, with, with, with Mexico and, and the USA and, and, and various other people. So I think that I think that could be a story. Look. I could end up looking really stupid, couldn't I? They could get stuffed in their three group games and, and go home and people would say, what do you know, mate? So I think that might be a story. And lots of people might not like to hear it. I think Wales might be a story. They've, they've got something, haven't they? You know, yeah. a, a real kind of club spirit about them. It is. And might... as, as you will have known from uh, Birmingham 20 years ago and uh, Burnley especially, the team ethic is great. And I am curious to see how Ellis James becomes a national hero. This... <laughs> because because fantasy yeah. football is coming back. It's Matt Lucas, whom we know, and Ellis James, who is going to be like the People's Wales fan. And he'll yeah. probably end up going out there. England-Wales will be a massive TV event in the UK, not just because we're going to have, I don't know, Liz Truss and Mark Drakeford sending each other public messages about how, oh, may the best team win, aren't we both great, isn't Gareth Bale a wonderful golf player? I'm looking forward just to the, the nonsense surrounding that, but we're going to have America versus Iran, which might start a diplomatic incident. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's just one group. Um, dark horses of the tournament. You've said Canada. Can you think of any Europeans that might surprise Poland, perhaps? I, I, I genuinely don't know. I, I, I really don't know. I mean, it's marginal gains, and it's who does well on the day, isn't it? Yeah, you know, cup football. But, 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 well, just just like football, 
I mean, we, we, we've referenced two very recent games. Your boys played mine, you know, last Tuesday night. Um, you should have beaten us. I think I might have saved you, sent, sent you a text to to, uh, to that effect. But you know what? Two two sets of two two sets of players went to each other properly, finished up a one or draw. That was it. Look at that game last night. On paper, as they say, why we're doing cliches, uh, one should have breezed past the other. They step out onto the field of play, and one side was not at the races while the other was absolutely steaming off the blocks and won the game accordingly. So you just don't know. I think what's interesting, it will still be very warm. (laughs) So I don't know how... I mean, they're saying 25. You look at some weather charts and that might be downplaying it. So that will have an effect on how some teams play, certainly. Yeah, those, those Scandinavian teams who are not used to it being that hot. Well, so, I mean, I've been saying for years it's Brazil and Argentina because they can play in that heat um, and the stickiness. Yeah. Um, while we're while we're on Birmingham again, why could you not beat ten man Wigan? Well, it, it was interesting actually. I mean, there, there were a couple of things about that game. One of which was profoundly disappointing. Um, I'm at the other end of the ground, and when. Uh, Djokovic went through and the guy I thought tripped him and sent off thought that's fine it transpires that Duke a, a good honest pro that I admire and I was lucky enough to have a pint with at the end oh, of last wow. season entirely by chance uh, a bit to trip himself which I dislike very much but actually what was interesting about that was it come from what a game that we looked to be a little bit on top at they played brilliantly, Wigan. They said, you know what, you're going to have to break us down now. You've only got kids in the middle of the park and we'll, ch- we'll take our chances on getting a uh, breakaway and scoring, which is what they did. So so credit to them. We, we've got a, a very guileless and inexperienced set of players in the middle of the park who didn't know how to break them down and they set themselves up perfectly. So they're sending off, strangely, probably militated against us a little bit. Yeah, which is an interesting foreshadowing because there will be VAR-assisted red cards at this World Cup. It's going to be a nightmare. No one's, no one cares. Um, You're away at Rotherham, at home to Norwich and away at Preston. Three games in the next eight days uh, from from the first game. You don't have a fixture in the League Cup tonight, the 23rd of August, as we talk because you lost on pens to Norwich in the first round. You say you're going to go down. Are you reliant on three teams being worse than you this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... Um, you've probably forgotten that, Johnny, because Watford in their history have probably had to do that the same as most of us. But that's the first thing we're looking at: is three three teams to uh, the three teams to be worse than us. And regrettably, two of them, Rotherham and Reading, have started off like bloody trains. So you know, who knows? Look uh, again, we have a sort of mutual interest in John Eustace, who seems to be again uh, a sensible, level-headed, and likable enough sort of bloke, solely old boy. I think he's doing his best. I think he's, you know, I think he's trying to get a system there. And if he proves me wrong, I'll buy him a champagne dinner, you know, whenever he likes. Well, you might choose to buy him a drink from bohemianbrands.co.uk while we're talking about drinks, because uh, there are some ah. Birmingham City uh, bejeweled drinks of vodka and, and gin. If you so want them, with which to enjoy the Qatar World Cup, an armchair fan's guide to the Qatar World Cup, or the FIFA World Cup Qatar TM, 
as I believe it's called. Um, one, yes. of, one of the things reading this book is, is just the crushing corporate nature of this World yeah. Cup. Um, so I imagine that all the tickets will be held by men in suits on a jolly who work for, is it Heineken and Philips? I can't, I'm going to have to have a look who the sponsors it's are. It's Budweiser and his sense and, uh, and of course, the usual McDonald's, McDonald's yeah. and Visa. I write about it in the book. When there was first talk of tickets and packages, I started doing some inquiries. And this is an interesting thing, actually. When I started doing the inquiries, I thought, mm, this will now condemn me to months of emails from companies and organisations saying, still interested in going to Qatar, still, still want your ticket package. Then I must have realised quite early that I was only mucking about. As comes out in the book, you're talking four-figure packages for group games. Now, I am fairly confident that has to come down to try and attract a different kind of audience. But on the corporate side of it, this notion that you you have the package, you have some refreshments, you have free car parking, that's going to be useful, isn't it? Mm. Um, that you're in air-conditioned um, comfort and so on and so forth. And again, if you'll allow me to be parochial, uh, my stepdad is very much part of my uh, football-watching uh, history and tradition. I remember, this was in the late 80s, which is when he, he pretty well gave up the ghost, and they wanted to move his season ticket to install some corporate boxes, corporate boxes, the, the old boxes in the main stand at St Andrews. And they sent him a letter saying, you know, and you can dine in here and so on and so forth. And I just remember him saying, proper old-fashioned miserable brum, he said, what do I want to get to a box for? I have me dinner before I go to the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I, whenever people talk about corporate boxes, boxes I hear dear old Horace's uh, words echoing in my ears. And these, these hospitality packages, it's the hotel of which, I, did you say there are 30,000 hotel rooms? Yeah, they're, they're woefully short of hotel rooms. And so, again, on the corporatisation, a core who run the Cure Hotels have got the administration and registration on literally thousands of what are basically Airbnbs. They've collared the market in private rentals. So again, there it goes straight to your mate. If some, you know, I don't suppose there is a sort of genial landlady sitting in guitar thinking, you know, I could rent my room out for this or whatever. No, that's a corporatised enterprise as well. Yeah, a FIFA colony. Uh, You mention or you describe the stadia as space age and streamlined. Um, They got their rehearsal in at the 2021 Arab Cup, which helped broadcasters with the sightlines, much as Match of the Day helped cameramen at the BBC before the 66 World Cup. Um, One thing you mentioned which made me smile is the manipulation of the crowd noise. I found this very interesting. That's hilarious. Yeah, Um, yeah, I write about the fact that I watched... Is the Arab World Cup, about which, candidly, I knew, again, very little until I started watching it and reading about it and so on and so forth. Again, FIFA had good coverage, actually, on its website, good um, highlights packages and what have you, and you could watch whole games should you have wished to do so. And it was utterly hilarious because you sort of panned round the stadia 
and, and even with their attempts to hone in on those parts that were densely populated, it was clear that, you know, certainly for some games it was very empty. But whenever a goal went in, it was accompanied by this utterly enormous roar that was not commensurate with the number of, A, the number of people that were in the stadium, and B, the nature of those people, most of whom were sort of gently clapping or, you know, recording something on their phone or whatever. It was not that noise. And you'll know, Johnny, that I also suspect, well, I don't suspect, I know it happened, on the goals show, my guilty TV watching pleasure, the goals show, seeing, you know, what's going on down at... Um, Princeton uh, Park. Yeah. Or, or, or where, yeah, absolutely, lovely yeah. little ground, you know. Um, and whenever goals go in on those programmes, again, they're accompanied by a roar. And you think, wait a minute, there's 200 hardy away supporters under a tin roof at the, the away end. They're not going to make that much noise. And as I say in the book, I know because I have been amongst their number. Um, Colchester at Layer Road brings a brings a, the, the bell as far as that's concerned. Yeah, it's it's fake news. It's all television and uh, it, it watching watching a World Cup and watching an Olympics is different from every other event because the TV people know that they have to capture the imaginations of people who do treat it as a TV show and wouldn't dream of going to St Andrews on a wet Tuesday night. Um, but this is, this is what it's going to be. I'm particularly interested in what the BBC do uh, when they say, and Micah Richards has been to the Doha Art Gallery. I'm here yeah. in watching some art. It's amazing. So that, I don't know much about Qatar, but I do know that they bid to buy loads of the great artworks of the Western world and stick them in a gallery. I think that's Altani's wife. I think that is the Emir, uh, the Emirata. Yeah. The, the female. Uh, again, talking to um, a, a man who works for an organisation, and indeed, actually, I've heard this um, uh, from, from two, two other people that I spoke to, there is very little to do in Qatar. And uh, Dubai, by all accounts, where I have been, didn't like it, but that's another story. Dubai is kind of rubbing his hand, saying, we've got ski slopes, we've got uh, theme parks, we've got bigger and better shopping malls and and what have you. But I do think, no pun intended, that Qatar and your allusion there to uh, importing works of art is something of a cultural desert. Mm. I think there's another issue that came out. uh, Again, all of this is stuff that I learned, you know, in doing the research for it. There's a whole issue about what people are going to do between games because there isn't a whole lot there. Qatar, of course, is... Yeah, as I point out, it's tiny. So it will be much more like an Olympics in a city rather than the football tournament that we're used to, which is, you know, spread around and you go to this city or that city or to go to the seaside there or, you know, to a museum and a gallery there or even just have a stroll through a a town centre somewhere and sit and have a coffee. All of those kinds of peripheral activities that people buy into when they've previously bought World Cup packages, if you like, they're not going to have been there. They're not going to be there. And I think that will be an issue that they won't be concerned about is groups of drunken lads, you know, kicking seven bells out of each other when they fancy, you know, when they've had a few. But, mm. you know, no, that's probably a good thing. I which, think. Is, which is one of the chapters about the, the society there and the lack of beer. I, I asked Adam Crafton, who is an openly gay journalist, are you going to go or are you going to watch on tube? He didn't reply. Um, I guess he can't go. 
to Qatar um, if he's a we certainly can't bring his partner or share a room with him. Well, from, from what I could gather, and again, I'd have looked at some of the same sources as you, there will be blind eye turning. But what I was interested in, as far as that's concerned, and you've just alluded to it there, because there is a, a very cautious LGBT plus community in, that, in Qatar and in that region. And of course, what they are concerned about is that there will be you know, it's like when, when the beggars are removed from the from the slums in, in South Africa yeah. and Brazil and everywhere. Look, let's not mess about here as they were from the streets of Birmingham a few weeks ago for the Commonwealth Games. When that happens, what happens when, when everyone's gone home? Will there be a legacy? Will there be an improvement? And there is deep scepticism as to whether or not that will happen. And uh, very quickly, what happens if someone, even if it's a fan or if it's kind of Tom Cruise, collapses with heat stroke? That won't be fun as a PR exercise. No, I, I, I suspect that the likes of Tom Cruise and, and, and a great deal of the stardust that will be sprinkled will will not be put in that kind of position. I, th- I still think the heat is very interesting. Uh, look things that you learn about wet global temperature don't ask me i didn't know anything about it but it is a measure by which both heat and humidity is assessed and that remains very high even in november so one imagines that players will go through regimes that will prepare them for this although come in as you say from the from northern europe in november not quite sure how that's going to happen. At least Whether the... or not the gen- general public and the commentary app will be um, protected is, a, is another matter, really. Yeah. Um, well, at least we won't have the years of hurt to worry about. Um, will you be watching Birmingham City Ladies this season? No, and look, and here's the deal. We, we, we've, we've strayed a bit here. And I, I preface this by saying that you talk about Project Restart, one of the best bits of Project Restart was looking at my local girls and women's team and learning a million things about the game and how they play it. Um, and I also say this, should my granddaughter say, Granddad, I want to play football, I will drive her to Inverness on a weekendly basis if that is what's required to get her to play football. And I enjoyed the Euros and all the rest of it. But my line on it is, um, it looks a great game, but it's a different game from the men's game to be enjoyed, you know, and, and participated in with a different kind of set of expectations. I just think it's the most wonderful thing, but, and, and I'll put my tin hat on here, um, I wouldn't go out of my way to watch it. Oh, God, I've probably lost a million people in one That's OK, that's absolutely fine. I'm John Berry, the book is an armchair fan's guide to the Qatar World Cup. It's out Today, September 5th, as this goes out, thank you for being the 250th visitor to the Football Library and enjoy the World Cup as much as you can. As perceptive and as incisive as ever, Johnny. I'm I'm not just saying that. Bless you, John. Thank you. Absolutely on the money. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you for writing this book. Just like a library! Just like a library!